Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Jeremy Kalmanowski with you here, learning track at Yoma, page 31, or Lamed Aleph. And we continue our conversation about immersion as one enters the Beit HaMikdash. If you remember from yesterday, even somebody who is otherwise ritually pure, uh, the Tana, the Mishnaic era rabbi Ben Zoma, holds that that person still has to uh, undergo a ritual immersion before entering the temple precincts because it's a sign of ascending into a higher zone of holiness. Uh, rabbi Yehuda holds that, that a person should, but is not absolutely required, to make such an immersion because uh, it might remind them, they think that they're ritually pure, it might remind them that actually they've forgotten some ritual impurity. And a different view of a, of a larger group of sages is that there's no such requirement. We continue that conversation today, and Abaye, a later scholar, Babylonian Amora of a couple of hundred years later, asks, given that this is a lesser level of required immersion, uh, is there a problem of what's called chatzitza? If something is on the body, interposing between the body and the water, does that disrupt the immersion? That's why, in general, generally speaking, when people immerse in, immerse in the mikveh, they are supposed to be completely naked because nothing can interpose between the body and the water. Uh, this is kind of rich amniotic metaphor. You're going all the way in the well of living waters, all the way in. The whole self, the whole body is trying to enter a zone of purity. The actual halakha is a little bit more complicated because certain minor insignificant uh, items on the body might not, technically speaking, interpose. But the practice is nowadays people go completely, completely nude, uh, no jewelry, no anything anywhere on the body. Abayi's teacher, Rav Yosef, answers that even though this uh, immersion is of a lower status, yes, the the uh, same rules of chatzitza or interposition still apply. And he cites uh, an interesting Talmudic uh, principle, kol de takun rabbanan ke'en de oraita takun, anything that is instituted by the sages follows the basic rules of what they take to be the Torah's own legislation. So the rabbis may have instituted unique applications or innovative applications of laws, but they didn't rewrite structurally the patterns of laws. So if the rabbis imposed a rabbinically mandated immersion, then then uh, it, it follows the biblical rules of immersion as well. The page continues with one of the characteristic Talmudic, uh, thoroughly abstract, thoroughly unrealistic, uh, but fun questions to discuss. The rabbis just delight in posing theoretical thought experiments, and as in many cases, this case as in many cases, it's not resolved. So they take up the question of, well, what if you, what if you didn't really enter the temple precincts, but you stood at the edge of the temple precinct, and a Kohen reached his hand in, was carrying a very, very long knife, imagine a big scimitar, and and they brought an animal over to the edge, and the Kohen was physically not standing in the temple, but his arm was in the temple precincts, and then he performed the sacrifice. Well, does that person need immersion or not? 
the rabbis also don't think that this is a realistic question. They, they find it fun for uh, describing the limit conditions. If you figure out what what is the limits of the law is, you get to discover more clearly what is what is what is within those limits. So they don't answer the question. The question is left with a teku. Teku is a is a word which literally means let it stand, but is taken as an acronym for the phrase tishpi yitaretz kushiotu vayot. Elijah the prophet will one day come and resolve all our unresolvable questions. That's this case. Finally, on our page on the, the bottom of the Aleph Daf, one other interesting thing comes up that relates to contemporary Jewish practice, and that is the as they just try to, to sketch out the size of various parts of the the Bet Hamidash, they talk about the mikveh in which the Kohen immersed on on uh, Yom Kippur. And we get the derivation of the size of the mikvah. It's it's taught in uh, Leviticus, Virachat b'sarobamayim, the Kohen should bathe his flesh in water, b'meimikvah, in the waters of the mikvah, kol b'saro, all his flesh, mayim shekol gufo olebahem, enough water that he can put his entire body into the water. V'kamahen, and how much is that? Ama al ama berum gimel amot. One ama long, one ama wide, at a depth of three amot. And the sages estimated this at, or they measured this at, that the waters of a mikvah should be 40, 40 seahs large. Well, how much is that? Okay, well, this brings us to the, one of the interesting questions about modern halachic Judaism. There are all kinds of shiurim, Measures in halakhic practice. You have to eat an olive's bulk. You have to this this such and such thing is a, is an egg's bulk, or this is a date's bulk. There's any number of different measures, and you can imagine how difficult it would be for modern people to to try to isolate an actual numerical measure. Now you might say to yourself, and it's perfectly reasonable, you don't have to be so precise about these things, and yet rabbinic Judaism, halakhic Judaism, is very very concerned about what constitutes what constitutes these measures. Um, in modern times, especially in the first half of the 20th century, scholars attempted to isolate fixed fixed measures for what an ama, a cubit, would be a tefach, a hand's breadth, what an egg's bulk would be, what an olive's bulk would be. And there were two particular major, major halakhic authorities in the early 20th century. Uh, Rabbi Chaim Na'eh, Avraham Chaim Na'eh, who was a, was a Ashkenazi ultra-Orthodox guy was a um, was a Chabad-associated fellow, although he actually grew up in Jerusalem and was influenced by Sephardi uh, and Mizrahi traditions as well. And uh, there was another fellow named Rabbi Avraham Yeshaya Karlitz, who was a Lithuanian uh, Lithuanian authority, tremendous influence, and he is known by the nickname Chazon Ish, the Man of Vision, which was the name of his book. And each of them had shitot, or systems, for identifying what the ancient measures should mean. Rabbi Chaim Na'ev based his on the fact that he lived under the Turkish Empire, and the Turkish Empire had a, a fixed uh, fixed size coin, and he extrapolated. Modern people might say, well, you have no way of knowing that the modern coin was what the ancient coin was. But he extrapolated based on the coin, because he, he worked with the Bukharian and the Yemenite silversmiths of Jerusalem, so he was an expert in the coin. And he extrapolated back, and he held 
that the eggs bulk should be about 55 cubic centimeters. By the way, that also has the advantage of, in fact, being the average eggs bulk today. Not, not our eggs, which are a little bit bigger, thanks to all the hormones and, and steroids and whatnot. But that would match approximately the average egg in the first half of the 20th century. And if you extrapolate out from that 55 cubic centimeters, and since a seah has 144 uh, eggs worth, that should yield you a mikvah at about 317 liters contemporary times. The Chazon Ish was a Lithuanian scholar who was, uh, was a very book-oriented person, a little less concerned with realia, and he said, and this, this part is correct, we can't possibly know what ancient, what ancient uh, measurements were. We can't really compare what the size of the ancient arm or the ancient egg was. You or I in the modern world might say, well, ours must be much bigger than, than ancient people. But in all events, he said, over the time, over the history of halakha, people have settled on shiurim, settled on measurements. So it doesn't really matter what the ancient world is. He had a much larger idea, and he, and he said that the, uh, that the typical egg should be about 100 cubic centimeters, which would yield you uh, 144 uh, in, in a, in a seah times 40 would yield you about 576 liters. Now, I can't never measure the modern mikvah, but uh, one assumes that they're probably following the chazonish. There's a rainwater collection pit at the bottom of a mikvah, and through technical means it is tapped off, topped off with tap water. If you go into a mikvah today, you'll see it'll mostly look like a swimming pool, but deep in there there is a rainwater collection of at least 576 liters or 317. Thanks for learning today's page with me, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.